I remember when Squire Parsons came out with that song uh, many, many years ago. It was uh, one of those that you just never forget, or at least I haven't. And uh, what a great message, because as you know, Job said, man that's born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. And you can spell trouble, S-T-O-R-M, storm. And storms come in all different shapes and all different sizes. And when you have, uh, when you have eight kids and 37 grandkids and uh, several great-grandkids, I've lost track. Bev, uh, she, she remembers all of that stuff. But a whole bunch of great-grandkids uh, and a church full of people that you care about, someone you love is always in a storm of some sort. I I mean, it it never lets up. It's every day. I mentioned those that are on our prayer list a while ago, and it's easy to see that a lot of folks that we care about deeply have serious problems. And so, you know, whenever you see people that you know, people that you love that are in serious situations it just breaks your heart it 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 hurts you to see them hurt Uh, beyond that it hurts because a lot of times you know there are some that will not survive the storm it might be a storm of sickness and you know that uh, it's just a matter of time it might be a storm of sin and uh, if if something doesn't happen, they're not going to survive. And uh, it, look, it's not because they must be destroyed by the storm, but a lot of times it's because they refuse the deliverance that God makes possible. One of the great things about the Bible is that it gives us stories of desperate people who are delivered from danger by the power of God. And I want you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter number 27 this morning. And we're going to look at one of those stories today because I can't think about difficulties and danger without thinking about the Apostle Paul. We find him on numerous occasions in difficult and dangerous situations. And I love what he said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.11, he said, Out of them all the Lord delivered me. Out of them all the Lord delivered me. And I've got news for you. If you're a Christian, it's only a matter of time until God is going to deliver you. Really, think about it. Sometimes we worry, well, is God ever going to heal me of this disease, if, is God ever going to meet this need? Absolutely. If you're a child of God, it's just a matter of time. Now, you might die first, but it's just a matter of time. And it's going to be all right, by the way, because it's all under God's control. I wish I had time to look at the entirety of this chapter. I really, really, we need to, but we don't have time to do that. So I'm going to begin reading in verse 22 down through verse 25, and then I'm, I'm just going to uh, take you through the chapter as rapidly as possible. Verse 22, and Luke says, And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, 
For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. Now, this is Luke writing, but he's writing here about Paul who is speaking. And Paul says, here they are in a storm, be of good cheer. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am, and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, for thou must be brought before Caesar, and, lo, God hath given thee all of them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. The adventures of Paul are not only interesting, but they are of great practical value. And that's why God recorded them. That's why God has preserved them. And one of the, one of the very first things is that they remind us that good people often have bad problems. And that's certainly descriptive of the Apostle Paul. Here was a good man, a man that was totally dedicated to the Lord, a man that had made all kinds of sacrifices for the sake of the gospel, and now here he is en route to Rome to where he's going to have to stand before Caesar because he's been falsely accused. And now, not only that, but he is in a storm and their lives are threatened. So here is a picture of a good man in a bad problem with a bad problem out on the sea. And, and that seems appropriate because oftentimes we talk about the sea of life. There have been songs written about it. There's a lot of literature devoted to the thought about the sea. And for good reason, because the sea is something that is, is mysterious. It is something that is majestic. And it is as dangerous as it is beautiful and can change in a heartbeat. And that's what we see here. So let me set the stage for you to follow along. If we back up to verse 4, for example, uh, Paul has been unfairly arrested. He's being taken to Rome. He's going to appeal the case before Caesar. And notice it says, verse 4, because the winds were contrary, well, they transferred him, verse 6 now, to a ship of Alexandria, and they then, verse 7, they then, it says, they sail slowly many days to a place called the Fair Havens, verse 8. Now, verse number 9, it says, where much time was spent. Verse 9, because Salem was now dangerous, Paul admonished them. So he warned them that it's would result in the loss of the ship and their lives, verse 10 and 11. They ignored him, verse 13. And then he says, when the south wind blew softly, they sailed. I have, uh, years ago, I preached an entire message on the south wind blew softly. And a lot of times we ignore God's warnings because conditions seem favorable to us and we launch out in life and do what we want to do contrary to what God told us. And Paul has warned them about this. And yet when the south wind blew softly, why all of a sudden they thought they knew more than God did. And so they 
they they launched out, and it was a big mistake, as you'll read verses 14 through 20, all the way down there, describes the storm that they find themselves in as a result of ignoring the warning that Paul had given. But verse 22, we find something remarkable. Because right here in the middle of this storm, whenever it seemed that all is lost, Paul steps forward and says, be of good cheer. And you know, there are some of those sailors that must have thought to themselves, this guy is nuts. He he has no idea what he's talking about. We're about to lose everything. And he says, be of good cheer. Now, in the first place, It's amazing that Paul has remained calm despite the circumstances. I mean, he's not quaking in fear whatsoever. He's calm in spite of the bad circumstances. But to me, it's more amazing here that he told them to be of good cheer. Some preachers, and Paul did say, you should have listened to me, but some preachers would have never got beyond that. Some preachers would have said, well, you bunch of knuckleheads, I told you so. You wouldn't listen. You made your bed. Now you sleep in it. And they would have just kept on ranting and raving against them. But Paul was concerned about their well-being. He was more concerned about their safety than he was about criticizing them. And consequently, Paul becomes a source of encouragement. Now, you know, it's great to be around people that have a positive attitude. You know, those that that always try to cheer everyone else up. Isn't, Isn't it good to be around people like that? But, but. Sometimes they don't have any basis whatsoever for their attitude. They can say, well, don't worry, cheer up, it's going to be all right, and it's nothing more than meaningless chatter. It's like a preacher telling people what they want to hear instead of what they need to hear, and it actually puts people in greater danger because it gives them a false sense of security. Cheer up, it's going to be all right, man, and you pat them on the back and send them down the way. Look, we don't want anyone thinking it's going to be all right if it's not going to be all right. Now, Paul had a good reason for saying to them, be of good cheer. He has something to base that statement upon. He's not just maintaining a positive attitude for the sake of cheering everybody up. And he explained what it was there in verse 23, 24, and 25. He said, because the angel of the Lord stood by me, I believe he's speaking about the Lord himself, by the way, because he said, to whom I belong and to whom I serve. And Paul didn't belong to an angel. He belonged to God. Amen. And he was serving God. And he said that he has assured me, verse 24, he assured me that I would be brought before Caesar. I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. You see, that's what made all of the difference in the world because we can always depend upon God's promises. He never lets us down. He never fails. He cannot lie. And he never fails. And this is what Paul is basing everything on. So with all of that in mind, 
I want us to look at the practical value of this by considering what we can glean from the story. Just some very simple but yet very serious things that we need to remember. First of all, we see the difficulties that they faced. And whenever you read the whole chapter, it seems like they go from one difficulty to another. I mean, it's it's not just one single storm. It's not just one difficulty. I mean, as soon as they think the south wind blew softly, now everything is all right, they turn right around and they go from one storm into another storm. And that's the way life is for all of us, really, because you are either in a storm or you're coming out of a storm or you're going into a storm. That's it. For all of us, it is exactly like that. And we are fools to suppose that we can live our lives trouble-free, exempt from any danger and any difficulty. It just doesn't work that way. The price of living is difficulty. And it's going to be that way as long as we're in these sinful bodies. Amen? So here they are facing these difficulties. But it's not only difficulties. In verse 9, it's very clear that we see the danger therein. You know, some things are difficult but not dangerous. They're difficult but not dangerous. A hard day's work is difficult, but it's not dangerous. Some people think it is. They think it's going to kill them. Remember Daddy saying when I was a boy, you know, no, nobody ever died from hard work. And I think he's right about that. Hard work's not going to kill you. It's difficult, but it's not dangerous. But some things are both. And these storms in life can come many different ways, all sorts, all sizes. It might be disease. I mentioned several people a while ago that are troubled by disease of some sort. Some are needing uh, uh, to be cured from cancer. There are those that are in need of a transplant of some kind. There are people here today, many people here today, that are troubled by some disease. It might not be life-threatening, but it's certainly troublesome disease of some kind. It's a storm in your life. And believe me, it's not, it's not a small thing. Disease can be a big storm in our life that can literally, from, from, from daylight to dark, can make us miserable. But it, it might not be that. It might be destitution. There are people that are as healthy as can be. They're young, they're strong, they're healthy. Everything's going their way, but they're in destitution. They are without. They don't know how they're going to pay their bills. They don't know what they're going to do. There are single mothers out there that have no idea. How am I going to take care of my children? What am I going to do? This is a real storm they find themselves in. And it's, it's not something that we ought to make light of. It's a serious matter. And then there's the matter of dissension. The storm might be that of dissension between you and someone else. It might be your spouse. It might be your parents. It might be your children. It might be a friend. But, but dissension can literally tear your heart out. I, I mean, I, I can think of certain diseases that I'd rather have than to have dissension. And the older I get, the more I dislike dissension. Dissension. 
you know, whenever you're young, you don't mind it. You know, you're you're always cocked and primed and ready to fight. But boy, the older you get, it's it's just not worth it. It's like the old saying: a bulldog can whip a skunk a skunk any time, but the stink ain't worth the fight. And that's the way it is. It's just not worth it, folks. And dissension between you and someone, especially when it's between you and someone that you love dearly. And you love dearly. And it just tears your heart out. It might be that it's gone beyond dissension to the point of a, of a divorce. I, I, of all the bad things that could happen, I think probably the worst thing that I, you know, I, I can imagine is for my wife to say, you know, I've had enough of you. I'm out of here. I'm get, I, Look, I couldn't stop her. She could file for divorce tomorrow if she wanted to. I, I couldn't do anything to stop her. And you talk about a storm, that would be a storm that I don't, I don't know how in the world I'd get through. It might be that the storm has to do with death. It might be that you're at the door of death, or it might be that some loved one has just recently died, and now you are forced to live without their company for the rest of your life here upon this earth. That's not easy. Nearly every week I'll see someone post something that relates back to the loss of a loved one. We here recently have been thinking about Brother Ron and his passing, and you never forget people like that. And it's a storm that you go through, and grieving is all a part of the process. And so right now, some of you know people that are in danger. Their happiness, their joy, their well-being is in danger. In fact, truth be known, some of you right now are in danger, and you're wondering to yourself, Will I be able to weather this storm? How am I going to get through this? Will I, will, will I make it? You just feel like curling up in a fetal position and sucking your thumb and crying yourself to sleep. You, you, you don't know what to do. You're in this storm. There seems to be no way out. And that's exactly where these folks are. They're in, in this difficult place and in danger. And we see the distress that they experience. It's obvious that they don't have the solution. They don't have a clue. They had no idea what to do. That's why they thought for certain that, you know, the ship was going to sink and they were all going to die. And so they are perplexed by their problem. You know, it's one thing to have a problem and it's another thing to not know what to do when you're going through a problem. You know, if you see a solution, if you understand the reason and you can see even the benefit from it, that's one thing. You can endure almost anything with that knowledge. But when you are perplexed and you're, you're just at your wit's end, I wish I had time to read Psalms 107. It speaks about those that were at their wit's end, and they were out on the sea. They were at their wit's end. They didn't know what to do whatsoever. So this is where these folks are when they hear this declaration. Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. There are three things about that that we ought to notice. The first thing about it is Paul's empathy. Paul wasn't the only one with the problem, and neither are you. 
How many times when we're going through a difficulty, when we find ourselves in a storm, we start acting like we're the only one, we're the only one that's ever been in a storm like that. Or we're the only one that is in a storm. But that wasn't the case. Paul had empathy for these other people. Life is difficult for all and sometimes it's difficult all the time and so here is Paul thankfully who wanted to encourage others let me tell you we're not worth a plug nickel if we don't have any empathy for others my wife is the most empathetic person that I've ever met in my life and believe me as I've often said love hurts love hurts it really does. You can't love someone without hurting in some way. And those that have much empathy, when they see others suffering and going through great difficulties, it tears their heart out. And I believe Paul was that kind of a person. And I can prove that by all of the many statements that he makes in his letters as he expresses his deep concern for other people. And so here he is, these people in danger, confused, have no idea what to do. And he says, be of good cheer. Wouldn't it have been horrible if Paul had... uh, if he had got discouraged, he wouldn't have been of any use to anyone had he got discouraged and joined with the complainers. And he could have, and he could have said, boy, we're in an awful, we're in an awful fix, folks. I've never seen anything, the worst storm I've ever seen in my life. Have you ever been around people like that? Regardless of what's going on, I mean, they, they're going to magnify it, right? Well, my Aunt Lucy had that, and she died in six months. <laughs> oh, I, I, I know how you feel. You know, I've been through that. And, and there's so many times that we allow ourselves to get discouraged to the point that we're of no use to anyone else. Listen, somebody has to keep their head above water. And Paul stood tall that day. The little one, the little Paul stood tall and kept his head above water and said, be of good cheer because he cared about those people. Notice not only his empathy, but the exhortation itself. And that's what this is, be of good cheer. He exhorted them. We have to be careful what we say because one reckless word can bring disaster, but with the right word at the right time, a little effort can produce big results. Don't ever underestimate the power of a word fitly spoken. And here we find Paul exhorting them He could have said, well, God assured me I'm going to make it. I don't know about the rest of you all. I'm not really worried about you. But he didn't. He said, be of good cheer. And then he gave the explanation here in verse 23 down through 26 where I just read the explanation that God 
God told me, the angel of the Lord stood by me this very night, and he told me, he assured me that I'm going to stand before Caesar. In other words, I'm going to get there. You see, these people needed to know the basis for his attitude and his advice. And he told them that. The basis for his attitude and his advice. As I said before, if there's no basis for it, it's just meaningless chatter. Be of good cheer. You don't have anything to worry about. Isn't it great whenever whenever in a time of desperation that others see that our attitude is one of hope instead of despair? And Peter said, be ready always, be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh the reason of the hope that is within you. How wonderful it is to be able, whether it's your co-worker, your classmate, a relative, a neighbor, whoever it is, someone that's going through a difficult, dangerous storm in their life, and you're able to step up with the right word at the right time and say something that is based on God's word and give a reason of why you have hope. You see, when you do that, it opens the door of possibility for them. I mean, if you just say, oh, well, I just try to have a positive attitude, that doesn't mean anything to anybody. But boy, whenever you can explain it, give an answer for the reason of hope. And then we see Paul's experience. If you read on down through verse 42, which we don't have time to do, but when you do, you see that the storms did not end at that point. So what what do you mean, preacher? I mean that God doesn't solve all of our problems instantly. They're not at land yet. They're still on the sea. They're 14 days away yet. They get desperate and throw everything overboard. They've lightened the ship. Many of them are still fearful that it's going down. We're sometimes forced to face things that we would never choose for ourselves. So this is the experience that Paul is going through. God said, you're going to get there, but not quite yet. And God had a reason, without a doubt, for what seemed to be, by the natural mind, a delay in the answer to prayer. Listen, if God doesn't remove the storm, He'll take you through it. God took them through it, but it wasn't instantaneous. Now look at verse 43, because here we see the escape. But the centurion willing to save Paul, because the soldiers, they decided they are going to kill all the prisoners. And it says the centurion willing to save Paul kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. And the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. Verse 37 tells us there was 276, all of them, 276 on that ship and they all were spared. What a sad sight 
What a different story this would have been had Paul not been there. Had Paul not been there. You ever stop and think about the fact that we all touch the lives of others and hopefully it's for the better. Hopefully it's for the better. Paul was there. God said, I'm going to get you through this. I'm going to keep my promise. I'm going to deliver you, but not only you, I'm going to take care of everybody on the ship. You might not know it, but it just might be that you owe your very life to the fact that somebody else has allowed God to have His will in their life. Really. And so here is Paul, God working through Paul in touch with these 275 others and all of them are delivered. And he closes with the deliverance that they enjoyed there in verse 4. So it came to pass. It came to pass. It came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. This reminds me of the fact that God is in control of all things at all times. God is the very one who has His way in the whirlwind. It's God who calls the storm and it's God who brought them through the storm. That's a good reason for us to be of good cheer. Knowing that God is in control. Here I am in this storm. I don't understand it. I don't want to be here. I don't see it being of any benefit in my life. I don't understand. But I know God is in control. I'll tell you one thing. I bet this experience gave all of them something they talked about the rest of their lives. Um, years later, can you imagine them saying, sit down and listen. I want to tell you the time I was on this ship and there's a fellow by the name of Paul on there. And for them to relay that story of how God brought them all out safe. He delivered Paul. 276. And I'm glad I can look back in my life, not just once, but over and over and over again in the midst of a storm and say of a truth, and God delivered me. Like the song says, He's the master of the sea. Wind and waves obey His will when He says to them, Be still. Now, naturally, look, we'd all rather not be in a storm, right? And so many times we don't understand why it is that a loving God with all of this power, why would God allow His children to be subjected to something that is so fearful, so dangerous? Why would God do that? Well, it's because God's smarter than we are. And God knows that just as it takes the storm to make the mighty oak what it is, to have the strength that it does, He knows that it's by the storms of life that we eventually become the person God wants us to be. The good news is, 
that if he brings us to it, he'll take us through it. The better news is this. The better news is that someday we'll step on the shore of sweet deliverance in that fair land where the storms will come no more. We'll live in the light. We'll live in the light, the fulfillment of all of the promises. John said, God shall wipe away all tears. Wow, isn't that going to be something? And there shall be no more death or no sorrow, neither crying, neither shall there be any more pain. All of those things are going to be passed away. I, I referred earlier to Psalms 107. Let, let me close by just reading you a little bit of this. It says, They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters... There they see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. For He commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind. Don't you ever forget that. God commands. He raises the wind. It couldn't happen without God allowing it. Which lifteth up the waves thereof and the mount up to the heaven and they go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. Have you ever been there? Your soul, your innermost being is literally melted because of the trouble that you're in. And that's what he's talking about. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Now here's, here's the good part. Listen, then. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. Don't you ever, ever think that you're going to be strong enough to scotch your feet and set your jaw and square your shoulders and with bulldog tenacity, you're going to force yourself to get through this. That might just spell the end of you. You're not strong enough. Then, here they are in danger out on the sea, then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. And He bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm. And that the waves thereof are still. And then are they glad. Because they be quiet. And He bringeth them unto their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness. Are you in a storm of some sort this morning? It might be a storm that I haven't thought of. It might be a storm that I haven't mentioned. It might be a problem that I haven't covered. Something that we haven't even hinted at. But in your life, there is a storm. There is something that is difficult for you, might be dangerous for you, and you're scratching your head wondering, how am I going to get through this? And here's God standing ready to help. Then they cried unto the Lord. If you in faith will come to Him, I promise you He will not ignore you. He will not neglect you. He'll be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And He'll meet your need this morning. Would you do? Would you trust Him this morning? If you're a child of God in the will of God, there's absolutely nothing that God can't bring you through. 
trust him this morning. While we stand, Tim's going to come and we're going to sing a verse of invitation. If God's speaking to your heart this morning about anything whatsoever, might be that it has nothing to do with the message today, but God's speaking to you, and God, by His Spirit, has made known what His will is for your life. We encourage you to come just now while we lift our voice in song together and say, Here am I, Lord, just have your will in my life. Whatever you want, I'm ready. Page 104. Amazing grace, how sweet. 